0: You're listening to Living Healthy Longer by the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging.
1: So my story really begins as an undergraduate student intern at the National Rehabilitation Hospital in Washington, D.C. It was there that I was introduced to the idea of a career path where you use engineering to improve health care. And this group, they did it all. They had gait analysis for studying kids with gait disorders. They had pressure assessments for wheelchair design and myoelectric upper limb prostheses. But the project that really inspired me was where they gamified physical therapy for kids. And they did this using a video game to motivate leg exercises. And so I was able to see the immediate effect that happened when you added a game to exercise. And it really brought this immense joy for these kids. So after graduating, I started working at the Seattle Veterans Hospital and this was such a unique opportunity because I got to work in a multidisciplinary team of clinicians and research engineers. And what this brought was this different point of view so that we could really focus our research on tackling relevant problems. And so as a research engineer, I worked directly with military veterans and I began to really appreciate how balance and falls affected their daily lives. So fast forward now to my decision to return to this, uh, to study for my PhD at Colorado School of Mines. And what really triggered this was being awarded an NSF fellowship. And for the first time, I had the opportunity to choose my own research path. So I was at this crossroad and trying to decide what are my next steps? What am I going to study next? And I began noticing that my parents who were in their late 60s, they started mentioning the occasional fall and they would just brush it off as, oh, it's nothing. You know, it was I was wearing the wrong shoes that day or I was distracted by my cell phone. But then I started seeing that they were avoiding activities that they once loved like hiking and dancing. And so being the fixer that I am, I tried to find ways, how can I assess their balance and give them some information and how can I give them an opportunity to train their balance? But I really had trouble finding effective and fun options that I thought they would really stick to. And so the combination of these experiences really piqued my interest to create a solution that was one, backed by science and also accessible to the general public, and lastly, fun to do so that people could improve their balance, including my parents. That is
0: Dr. Ava Siegel, founder and CEO of Steady Systems, a health tech startup out of Golden, Colorado, that is providing solutions for better balance, health and awareness. In this episode, Siegel discusses the importance of balance fitness and introduces us to Steady Play, an engaging balance training system she invented for her doctoral research at Colorado School of Mines. I hope you enjoy. I'm your host, Hannah Hallisker, and this is Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Columbine Health System Center for Healthy Aging at Colorado State University. (laughs) <laughs> hello, hello. Well, Alva Siegel, thank you so much for being here today. We're really excited to have you on the podcast. It's not often that we get an entrepreneur, if that's the right term, um on the podcast. so it's it's always fun when we have people that can share their latest invention.
1: I'm so excited and honored to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. And, you know, it's my first podcast. So for me, this is this is really exciting. So prior to graduate school,
0: you were a research engineer at the VA. So can you tell us about that experience and how it inspired where you are today?
1: Yeah, so in Seattle, I was working with military veterans, and I got to see firsthand their daily challenges that were related to balance and falls. And so one example is a 35-year-old firefighter and coach who used a prosthetic leg and told me that he... It wasn't if he was gonna fall that day, it was when. And so he really had this problem of daily falls. And then we had a Vietnam era veteran in his sixties who told me that he used to think about every step because he was afraid of falling. And so my focus in my work there was studying how does technology affect mobility and balance? And I started to see the direct impacts of technology on these people's lives. So that Vietnam era veteran was given a computerized knee and we were able to test different biomechanical effects. But one of the most inspirational pieces of or what he told me was that he could now walk downstairs with a laundry basket and talking to his wife without being afraid of taking a stumble. And so what I noticed really is this incredible impact that technolo- technology can have on people's lives. But there's a caveat where often access to that technology doesn't extend beyond the VA walls. And so much of this technology is so expensive. And so this really inspired me to chase a more affordable and engaging solution that can empower people to take control of their balance and mobility.
0: So I'm wondering now if you can describe the problem for us. You know, why make whole PhD program out of studying biomechanics and balance. (laughs) So, so what was the problem that led to the development of steady play and why is balance so important when we talk about aging?
1: Absolutely. So balance is so important because falls are so common and a third of people that are over 65 years fall each year. And so on top of that, Falls happen to be the leading cause of fatal and non-fatal injuries in this group of adults. And this ends up costing the US healthcare system $50 billion annually. The other problem is that few people actually realize that the onset of balance decline occurs as early as age 50. And part of the reason for this problem is that the current way that we assess balance is typically standing on a single leg And the problem with this is that it's really only effective at distinguishing those who already have a risk of falling. And so the second part of this is that there's a misconception that balance loss is inevitable. And this is really not the case. Research shows that balance skills can be maintained and even restored. So one approach is through an active lifestyle and also through targeted balance training. They can be really effective For preventing balance losses even if you start them later in life.
0: So you said that the the current metrics that we use to measure balance really only distinguish people who, what was it, already had a propensity for maybe losing balance?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are three common components that I would highlight for balance decline associated with aging. And these are the components that are really important for quick balance recovery. So that's like when you step in the wrong place. And so one is ankle muscle weakness and strength imbalances. And this is one of the most commonly treated problems, but it's really not the only one. Another one is slower reaction times, as well as reduced body awareness. And that means, you know, knowing where your body is in space so that you can make a quick correction if you step in the wrong place. So I'd also add that the good news is, is that these three factors or problems are, uh, addressable through targeted training. So we're talking about muscle weakness, slower reaction times and body awareness. And that w- when you add biofeedback to that training, and so what I mean by biofeedback is combining your mind and body that it can be even more effective. So you have this concept of hand-eye coordination. And if you use that concept with a body movement, combined with a visual stimulus, then what you're doing is you're connecting your body to control the object and it provides immediate feedback on how you're performing that task. So,
0: okay. And so steady play is a different take on measuring balance decline. So I wonder if you can start first by telling us how is Steady Play your invention different um, from what we're currently doing, and then maybe tell us a little bit about this balance fitness tool that is Steady Play
1: absolutely okay so i can start with the uh, differentiators and so really many people aren't aware that balance of their balance decline until a fall occurs and so one of the things that steady play offers is a single affordable tool that can accurately assess and train your balance which is extremely important and so the two key differentiators that i see with steady play is that it has science-driven balance metrics that use an affordable sensor. It's like what you have in your smartphone. And this can allow your doctor to track your progress at home and also frequently adjust the challenge. So it's really dialed into the training level and customized. One of the problems with some of the current technology is that it's not hard enough uh, for or challenging enough and it's not uh, customized or tailored to, to the needs of the person. And so the second piece is, A game-based training approach that uses a physical object for real-time feedback really has this potential for promoting physical body awareness, so knowing where your body is in space, which is important for preventing falls. And then we have a physical object for feedback can provide relief from excessive screen time. And so many people don't know that just two to three hours of screen time can cause negative health effects, like headaches and dizziness, and that the average American spends about four to five hours in front of their screens at least. And so we really need these alternative approaches to pull us out from behind our screens. And so we look at robots as being a potentially fun and intuitive alternative. So from that, I'll answer the second part of your question and I'll start with kind of the vision of steady play. And that is if you imagine if balanced screening was included in your general wellness assessment at your doctor's office, Or that you could test at home and then upload your balance score to your doctor and they could track your training progress. And then secondly, wouldn't it be great if that same tool could provide a competitive balance activity that your whole family or friends could play together? And so this secondary task really motivates participation while simultaneously targeting the three common components of balance decline that I mentioned earlier, weakness, slower reaction times, and body awareness. So enter Steady Play, and here is an engaging and interactive balance screening and training system that's designed to use your body motion when you're standing on a board that tilts in multiple directions. You use that movement to control a wireless robot through a standardized course or maze. And so the idea is your goal is to move the robot as fast as you can, and then you're able to kind of compete with yourself or with others while you're maintaining balance. And so the result is this improved coordination and balance skills without even thinking about it
0: okay so I want to make sure that I am visualizing this correctly so I'm thinking about I don't know what the these tools are called but when you go to the gym and you're standing on that board that has a ball in the center
1: of it mm-hmm. is there a name for that you're nodding your head <laughs> so there are several different types and they uh, balance boards or wobble boards or tilt boards come in different varieties. So one of the yes. really common ones at the gym is called a basu ball. And that has a softer uh, kind of round underneath uh, uh, sphere, half sphere with a, a, a flat surface. And that kind of uh, board is, is more unstable maybe than a tilt board, which is what I'm using. And that a wobble board or tilt board that has a smaller solid half round that has a pivot. And so this board can tilt about 15 degrees in any direction. There are some that are unilateral. So what I mean by that is it can only move uh, with your uh, forward and backwards or side to side. The one that I use moves in all directions and you can use that both for, so one of the standard approaches to therapy is using that kind of board to One, stand as still as you can on the board. So you're trying to minimize any kind of oscillations. And the second part of it is driving that board in different directions. So you're pointing your toes down, you're pulling them up, you're moving to the side and and rotating this board in an active way. And that is what is targeting these kind of uh, ankle muscles uh, and combined with your your balance coordination to stay on the board and be able to move uh, through those motions. Is that helpful? Okay.
0: Yes, no, very helpful. So a participant stands on this tilt board and tell me if I'm visualizing this correctly. They are gonna tilt, you know, in any direction to control this robot that's going through a maze. Yes, yes. And is- and so the goal is to get through the maze and like find the way out of it. Is this like a video game kind of setup? Like, is there a screen that they're watching?
1: No. So that is the whole thing is that instead of a screen, which is flat, uh, it is a small robot and a physical maze. And so you're in my study. So I would call it more of a course that I did in my study where I said, you're going to drive a figure eight. So if you kind of imagine uh, a track or a course, a racetrack. And so they're trying to follow this course and there's physical constraints. So if they... Hit one of those constraints, they have to dorsiflex or lift their toes. And, and what that allows the person to do is, is do both uh, pointing their toes and lifting their toes or side to side motion to get around these, these obstacles.
0: So I can already tell you just picturing this in my head that, you know, when I go to fitness classes and the instructor says, okay, we're going to work on balance." we do what you said in the very beginning and we usually try to balance on one foot Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then maybe we'll do a figure four and we'll try to lean forward while still being only balancing on one foot. I am already seeing how your steady play system is so much more fun. (laughs) Like it, it turns it into a literal game and makes it exciting rather than just standing there and balancing.
1: And the, I would completely agree. And this is the feedback I get from the people that have tried it. And what's also really interesting is that I've more recently gotten out of the lab and I have gotten to go to a research road show with CU Anschutz. And in this uh, kind of setting where I don't have all of the biomechanics uh, uh, technology where I'm studying, you know, how do they move, how do their muscles activate in this setting I'm just saying step on the board and we're going to do this task. You also have people that are passing by in this roach, you know, in this event. And so it starts to become people go, "What's that? What are they doing?" and you start to get almost an audience. And because it's not on a screen, so it's it's really it interacts not only with the person but the people around you and it becomes this kind of engaging activity that people can do together and and you know, at the end of it I had people cheering and they step off and say, "Well, that was fun," and uh, it's it's been. That's really what's helping energize me to keep going with this.
0: That's really fascinating. So, tell us about the participant population. What kind of person would benefit from using Steady Play?
1: Absolutely. So, there's really a wide variety of people that I believe can can benefit, and it really. To kind of categorize them uh, in, in three categories, what I see is people that are that already have good balance and they're really trying to proactively maintain their balance fitness. And then you have another group of people that feel balance challenged and they they're already starting to see some changes in their balance, or maybe they're just afraid of falling. And in that case, they're trying to improve their balance or maybe restore their confidence in their daily activities. And the third group is the healthcare providers who really want to motivate their patients. You know, one of the common problems is how do you motivate people to do a balanced training program at home? And so you want to provide a task that is engaging and that can also remotely monitor their progress. So
0: Ava, you created this in your doctoral program, but you have graduated as of December. Congratulations. Thank you so And much. now you're commercializing it. So tell us, what was the inspiration behind that?
1: Absolutely. So for my PhD at Mines, I studied the biomechanics of younger and older adults that were performing the training with and without steady play. And I really learned that there's this great potential for improved balance control in older adults with this targeted, challenging and engaging task. But at the end of the day, what really inspired me to commercialize were the interactions with the people that volunteered in the study. So I had one person say, can I take it home with me? Uh, Another person at the end of a three hour test, and if you've ever done a biomechanics study, it is kind of long, there's lots of instrumentation, but they said, I get to do another trial. And that happened kind of frequently, people, seemed to forget that they were in a test. And lastly, my mom and dad tried it themselves and they loved it. So that was really motivating too. That's
0: cool. So just a question for my own personal interest. Can you change the maze? Like, can you create different formations so that the game doesn't necessarily get
1: boring? Yes. And this is one of the things that I'm developing and by talking to users and understanding what works. You know, um, the maze that I had in the study has already changed to be more portable so I can take it to these roadshows. And then I'm, I'm trying to think outside the box of how can I establish a variety of mazes, but that are standardized so that you can maybe compete. The idea is, can we provide an engaging, more like social solution? So if everybody has the same types of mazes, then they'll be able to put in the red maze and then compare how they did with, uh, you know, people all over the country. And so, so this is some of the development that I'm working on, you know, what works, uh, I've been 3d printing little parts so that I can, uh, you know, make it modular and and change and have a lot of variety. And the other way that you can kind of change, and this is almost, uh, there's a, an infinite amount of ways that you can change the gains on the robot. So, you can change how it responds. And so you start out with a really slow response and you know, someone that's really good at this, they might start to get, you know, oh, I could really control this going faster. And so then you can speed up that relationship and make it uh, more sensitive and then harder to control. And so as you get better and as you learn this, you can kind of gradually increase that, that challenge. And uh, there's other ways, too, with the type of board that you use. I started some of my, the you know, I had a couple late 70s, early 80s step on this board, and I had a piece of foam underneath to make the balance a little bit easier as they're trying to learn the controls. And then you can take the foam off as they get better. So I'm, I'm looking and exploring what are the ways that we make this engaging, not boring, but also safe uh, and, and really instilling that that learning pathway that, that helps them understand uh, and, and want to use it. You know, there's kind of that, someone said, there's a rage quit uh, factor that you have to be, a, you know, aware of where you can't be too hard, or they're going to just stop doing it. I can't ever do that. And it can't be too easy, because otherwise, you'll just get bored and say, Oh, I, I did it and never do it again.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a very important indicator to keep in mind. And so I'm wondering, too, you know, you're talking about participants getting better as they use steady play and having various different formations for the maze so that it can potentially get increasingly harder. So now that's making me wonder, is there a typical or average course of time that it takes for you to see a change in a participant, like from the first time they step on it to the 20th time? And, and kind of what does that mean in like an assessment perspective if you're trying to formalize this for use for health professions?
1: Absolutely. It's a great question. And this is something that I am looking to do more testing to better understand what is the correct dose and what is or the most effective dose. And that might be different for different stages of of people's balance skill and and then understanding the engagement and the use the actual use as people uh, you know over time over the course of a treatment so this is one of my main goals as I I develop the next prototypes getting it into a, a clinic and into a home so that I can understand how are they how are they using it and what are what are the immediate benefits and how long does it take? You know, are we talking six weeks? Are we talking uh, six months? And from what I've seen in the literature, it really supports this idea of continuous uh, engagement. So in the same way as we are said to walk 10,000 steps a day, this is part of our health. So can we, you know, it does 10 minutes a day of some balance training, maybe every other day over the course of, of many years, maybe that is the solution um, to, to better uh, health and less falls. And so I think over time, as we get more data and we get more understanding, the other piece that's exciting to me as a data scientist is that we can measure incremental changes in standing balance by standing on the board and seeing this is a known test that, that correlates with functional balance. If you can, be steady on this uh, oscillating board, then you're less likely to fall. And so we can do those assessments very easily as they go through treatment and be able to identify, are they getting better? You know, what are the immediate effects? And you don't have to come back into the lab uh, or even the clinic, it could be done at home. So that's, that's one of the, the visions that I have for really better understanding. And I'm starting by talking to clinicians, I'm starting to learn other tests that they do that are really easy to to and assess is functional balance improving. I just got introduced to a toe dynamometer uh, that you can is really inexpensive and you can basically assess how strong is your big toe and that that strength correlates to fall risk. Uh, so that to me is a really interesting uh, you know extra measure that we can start to understand you know beyond you know how does this really affect functional balance and and falls
0: all of that is so fascinating because i think we don't often get to see the behind the scenes of how an assessment that we might get at a doctor's office or a physical therapy office comes to be. And, and so this is like starting from ground zero, this is how you build an assessment that might be used in that way.
1: Absolutely. Yes. That's one of the main goals.
0: So I hope listeners are like me and that at this point in the conversation, you just wish you could try this out (laughs) because it sounds like it's really fun. And so that leads me to my next question, which is, what stage of research and development are you in like how accessible is steady play right now um and and kind of where do you need help to make this mainstream
1: absolutely so i would call my current stage i'm in the listening stage i'm trying to talk to healthcare providers and end users and really understand their unique needs and so what I have right now is a working research prototype. So I can set it up. I can. I did all my human subject experiments in a laboratory environment. I've shown, proven to myself, I can take it to another uh, event and I can use it there. Uh, so I don't need laboratory equipment. Uh, but it's not at the stage where I could hand it to a clinician and they could just run with it. So what I'm trying to do is get a little bit of funding to support that clinical prototype. So it would add plug and play functionality and be able to run off of a smartphone application. And what I wanna do is be able to use that prototype to do some rapid iterations and inform the development based on the clinician and user feedback. And this can really help uh, mold and shape Steady Play so that it fits into People's workflows, whether it's a clinician working, you know, it, in a busy office, it has to be easy to use and, and fast to set up. And does it work in a home environment? How does it get set up? You know, some of those nuances that I think can make or break a product are really important. And the, the second part of that is just getting out into the community and getting people to come and, and test. As much as I can, and really understand who are my early adopters who want to uh, take this on in its early stages, uh, and then where do I move move from there? So, in terms of moving to kind of one of your previous questions about how do we how do we know dose and how do we know efficacy and what is the timeline like? I really feel like a, a clinical trial would help inform on that, and in order to do that, I'm, I need to build an interdisciplinary team of physical therapists, neuro-rehabilitation specialists, people really focused on balance, clinical researchers, combine that kind of team to help with the prototype development and ultimately uh, test the efficacy. So that's kind of where where I'm at currently.
0: If you're a participant who Again, like me, really wants to test this out, or you're an investor with just thousands of dollars lying around. How can people get in touch with you if they're if they're interested?
1: Absolutely. So there is a link in uh, the the podcast description, and that has an email address that you can reach me at ava at and I will have a LinkedIn page that you can find me or the company and. Uh, find me through that. And coming soon will be a website, uh, steadyplay.com as well. So please reach out if this sounds interesting or exciting, or if you just have other questions, I would love to hear your ideas and answer your questions.
0: That's awesome. So now's the time that I ask you the question that everybody on season three of the podcast is getting to answer, which is Can you identify a major challenge in your field that you believe must be overcome in order to realize real changes in health span or improvements in healthy aging? It's a very big
1: question. (laughs) a huge question. And I start by thinking about the problem that fall prevention and balance is really one of the least funded major public health problems and is only expected to grow. And so this really highlights the challenge that we need to change the narrative related to balance health and fall prevention and course correct this enormous problem. But the second part of that is we need to make these changes in an equitable way. And so I think about how can we do this and I think the first abil- or the first challenge is to look at education and really helping people understand what is the importance of balance health and that there is actually hope that you helping people recognize that proactive approach can be really effective, and also providing people with resources that are affordable. So people that might be less uh, or have less immediate access to healthcare living in rural communities, maybe physical therapy three times a week just isn't feasible. So how do we bring this into people's homes and, and make it more realistic? And then you have to look at the value of individualized care. And I think appreciating the fact that balance skills are really different and are affected more than just by age alone. And so having tools that can better assess where someone is in their balance skills today and design a program that really targets what they need. And I this makes me think about how we address balance or heart health in In the population, we don't wait for a heart attack to address heart health. Rather, we incrementally measure cholesterol and then we adjust health habits accordingly. So, I see a lot of parallels with balance health and being able to address balance long before a fall occurs is, is really important. And so, this really emphasizes the need for customized training and engaging and effective solutions that can promote this longer health span, in a creative, fun, and accessible way.
0: Yeah, and Ava, you brought up a couple points that I really want to emphasize about Steady play, which is it's not just for older adults. Like You really want to shift this narrative that only people over a certain age have to worry about balance.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I'm trying to figure out how do I get to the 50 to 70-year-olds who say, I don't have a balance problem. And having more awareness that you might not have a balance problem yet, but this is a really important part of our daily uh, health habits that, that need to include this kind of, of training and finding ways that, that people will want to engage. And, you know, when you think about how can we find something that can be competitive and that can engage the whole family. So my, my vision is can people... know the entire family you have the grandparents you have the parents and you have the kids and the kids want to try the balance training tool they want to try steady play uh that their grandparents are using and so it can help from an early age instill this idea of balance is fun and also important
0: yeah and the other component to emphasize is the affordability piece of this. So, I know when you were designing Steady Play that it was important to you to create it from affordable materials. And me knowing nothing about the manufacturing process, I would hope that translates into a product that you can mass produce that's also cheaper, meaning that it could access it could be accessible to more people.
1: Yes, and that is that is the goal. I was using common off the shelf componentry. And really, as technology has been, you know, in the last decade, it's really gotten smaller and more affordable. And from that standpoint, I think there's, there's really opportunities. People are so focused on just software-based solutions. But I think that, you know, with some of the educational tools and some of these robotics companies that are producing really inexpensive, it doesn't have to be a fancy robot uh, that, that allows people to to have this physical interaction and and better understand how that influences their their wanting to use the the tool and also uh, if it improves their balance even more. So I think that the the pathway for that is is very achievable, uh, and I'm still you know from a Business standpoint, I'm still learning a lot of the ins and outs uh, and getting mentorship from Mines and from other, you uh, uh, know, the I Corps business research to market programs and things like that, that help me understand what are the best pathways to get this to mass produce this uh, in a way that would be effective for, you know, and, and accessible to people that, you know, have a, a smaller budget and, and really. You know, I think about also the problem of connectivity, and I think this is something that needs to be considered. So, having a version that doesn't require any Wi-Fi, that this can be—it's—it's it's all, uh, you know, it's using Bluetooth, and so it's all in one package, and that you only need the Wi-Fi or like uploading to a cloud uh, if you're trying to communicate with your doctor, but that—that's not a requirement at all, you know, that there's kind of two versions. I think of it as Steady Play Home and Steady Play Pro maybe or something like that.
0: That's super fascinating, really exciting. That's that's all that I have prepared for you. And this is longer than a normal conversation I would typically have. And that's just indicative of how fascinating it is. And so thank you for coming on the show and talking about it.
1: Thank you so much. It was so fun to be here. And I really I can't wait to hear it all come together.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Living Healthy Longer, a podcast from the Center for Healthy Aging at CSU. Remember to follow us on social media at CSU Healthy Aging and visit our website at healthyaging.colostate.edu. We will see you next time.